Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure. This is Ben Currier here, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with Cooper Kraus. Hey there, Cooper. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. You also, you pronounce my name, my last name right, which happens oh, really? maybe a fourth of the time. Most people would go with cross. Uh-huh. Uh, so well, appreciate it. So I didn't even know, I guess, but also I've had some guests with really challenging names and I'm pretty sure I've gotten all of them right. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at least that's something I guess I'm good at. Yeah. Because uh, names are important, you know, you want to be called the right name. I yeah, think. no, for real. I mean, my, so my first name, my actual legal name is actually uh, Cooperson. So there's an S-O-N oh. on the end of it. That's cool. Um, which I, I mean, maybe I'm not, I'm still not sure why my parents did it, but I've never heard of uh, it. Is it new? Is it like a unique one or is that a normal name? I've never heard it before. I've heard Cooper a couple of times, but Cooper's your dad. Definitely... Is your dad Cooper? And he's like, I'll name him Cooper son. No, it's Greg. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really have no idea. Cause I like people used to, you know, if you named your kid Fredrickson, it's cause you were Frederick. Yeah. But I don't know. They just put S-O-N on the end of there. But anyway, talking about wanting to be called your name. I mean, every time growing up in class and things like that, it was like, you know, they called off Cooperson and I'm like, that's Cooper actually. Yeah. And that was just, that's just one of those things where every single time, uh, any, anywhere new where you got, you know, you had, they had your, your full name in front of them. Mm-hmm. You had to be like, no, actually, which is pretty common for people who are, you know, want to have any type of nickname, but yeah, it's kind of a unique one to, Absolutely. So can you give the listeners, and I use the term loosely because I don't have a ton of them yet, but uh, can you let the listeners in a little bit onto, I call it a shameless brag, but really be as self-promotioning as you want to say all the cool stuff. Cause when we get to the failure stuff, you won't be that cool. <laughs> so you might as well let them know the good things. So that before we get into the bad. Cool. Yeah. So then I'll, I guess I'll go with, um, so I mean, I live in Kansas city right now. Uh, I moved down here in 2014 from a place called St. Joe, which is about an hour North. And I moved down here in 2014. And I remember I got a job serving. I was still going to college and I remember paying for my parking to get to the job interview. And after I paid for it, I had $7. Right. And, but I got the job. So I started serving tables Um, about two and a half months into serving. I was waiting on a group of like 12 people, one of the guys uh, came up to me afterwards and was like, hey, man, that went really smooth. Good customer service, things of that nature. He's like, if you can do this, you can sell insurance. Uh, and this is why I was still in college. And I was like, mm-hmm. and I was the first, nobody in my family's ever gone to college. Um, Same. So yeah, so I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to get off the serving floor because my mom's still a server. She's 56, still a server. She get, you know, she's, she gave me a lot more than she probably should have grown up, but <laughs> I definitely didn't want to serve my whole life. And so uh took that opportunity. So that was in the fall of 2014. To be clear, you thinking, mean you don't want to be a waiter, but you don't mind serving people in, in the other sense of. Right. Definitely always servicing my clients. That's, that's <laughs> never ending. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was fall of 2014 when I took that job making $10 an hour and $10 for commission mm-hmm. um, and did that through college to finish up. So I was doing part-time college, full-time work, and uh, so that was in 2014 and March of last year, I took this job at full scale 
uh, which put me at uh, head of sales for a 200 person company, one of the fastest growing IT companies in the US. Wow. So, um, so yeah, so we, we have been around for just under three years. I've already grown to a, a team of over 200. Um, and uh, I get to, you know, I report directly to the CEO and the other and the technical co-founder. Both of those guys have a, an, an insane track record of building and exiting companies successfully. So how did you trick them into hiring you? I, you know, I didn't have, thankfully, I didn't have to do a bunch of tricking because it was a warm intro, which okay. I learned a really, really big lesson getting this when I got this job. Um, and the lesson is throw yourself into situations you don't belong being in and, and something good will come out of it as long as it's a space, you know, you want to be in. So for example, before I took this job, I was in a corporate sales role, you know, $700 million company. I knew my targets. I knew it was very, very specific. I wore a suit every day. Um, Sounds awful. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a good experience, but ultimately, yeah, not, not my deal. And so I started going to this weekly thing here in Kansas city called 1 million cups. And essentially it's, Oh, I know that from, I did it in Denver. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So that's the, actually started in Kansas city. Oh, okay. I started going to that while I was doing this corporate gig to help startups and entrepreneurs build sales playbooks. Cause I love that shit. Like mm-hmm. I, I authored a 50 page playbook for full scale. Like I just love putting that stuff together. And so I started doing that and I met this, I met this woman here who leads an awesome ad agency. And I was just telling her like, Hey, I, I want to get in this space. I want to be a part of a startup. I want to do my own thing eventually. So I want to get in this space. And she introduced me to a guy that was hiring for uh, a sales leader. And so it just came through a warm connection. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And if you ever listen to a startup hustle, we were just talking about it before the show started, you'll get a sense of my CEO really quickly. Like he, he's, he has no filter for bullshit. Like he gets right yeah. down to it nice. and he can, he can just read people really well. So it was just like, he could tell in the first 30 minutes that I, you know, I wasn't bullshitting and I really wanted to make something happen. So he's like, yeah, let's do it. And so that's awesome. Yeah. I like people like that. Uh, you're reminding me of when I got my favorite job that I had, which was um, I worked for the company that made guitar hero and rock band, the original, the video games. Nice. Um, yeah. And so I was, uh, ridiculous at the rock band drums. I was like number 200 in the country or something like that. So <laughs> I went to play test for uh, rock band two before it came out because it was in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I grew up in Boston, but I went in and then I did the drum thing and then I just handed her my resume and said, Hey, just give this to the finance team, see if they need anything. And then that's how I got the job there. So like that's weird, dope. weird that's ways crazy. of getting jobs. Good advice. Cause that'll definitely make you stand up from whoever else is applying in whatever way. Yeah. That's cool that they uh, they took you on though like that because I've also wanted to pivot to sales because I realize I hate finance and accounting which is what I've been doing uh, yeah. for all my career. Um, Dude, you should pivot into you should pivot into finance and accounting consulting because maybe know. I do. So I teach people how to use Microsoft Excel. That's my personal business. Is uh, I never talk about it on the podcast, but I will say right now it's ExcelExposure.com for anyone who wants to check it out. But it's all online Excel training because I literally am so checked out from corporate finance and accounting, I'm happy to teach other people how to use Excel because, uh, you know, I know so much of it, but I do not want to do it as a, as a full-time job anymore. Sales is more, all right. So I'm an extrovert. The fact that my job is literally working alone and talking to people through numbers is the dumbest choice possible. So even if it's sales, I don't care. I'm talking to customers, talking to people that yeah. way more fun than, uh, you know, being alone in the, in the spreadsheet. And so I'm glad to hear that you similarly found your path and it sounds like it's a similar thing with sales. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 
so before I joined full scale, that corporate America job I was at was we were a finance and accounting and M and a consulting firm that spun out of Deloitte. And I don't, I'm, I oh, don't, yeah. but I don't know anything about accounting and finance. Like I've never booked a journal entry. Like yeah. I don't know anything. Well, when I, when I picked accounting in college, I also had no idea what accounting was because it's like so confusing. Like, what is a journal entry? Where is it going? They didn't give me any of the context until I was like a year or two into it. And I was like, oh, this sucks. But I was already, I was already doing it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so my point is though, you would probably do a great job because I noticed that people who came from, who, who were technical by trade, but mm-hmm. had people skills, if they came over to the sales side where I was at, they had such a strong ability to connect with a controller or a CFO because they really yeah. understood their problems. Whereas mm-hmm. I, I mean, I was good at, you know, cold calling and setting meetings, but when it came down to really technical issues, like related to lease accounting or revenue recognition, yep. I'd have to bring those people in to really help close the deal. So yeah, that's a good call that at a fundamental level that that might be a good first step into it. I'd be kind of cool. absolutely. Yeah. But this isn't about me. This is about you. So how, how so how'd you get into sales? What, what made you think, you're doing, you're doing the waitering thing. What made you think sales would be a good way to, to go? Uh, I gotta be honest, man. I, I don't, I didn't have a plan for that. Um, I just, I just knew that I wanted to kind of change the trajectory of my family or like my family dynamic. Again, you're like, no, it, it's a hundred percent blue collar mm-hmm. and I don't have an issue with that. Like I, my, my parents gave me a, a great childhood, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I wanted to kind of get out of St. Joe where I grew up at and um, just have a, a, a different level of comfortability. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and if I'm being honest, probably recognition too. Um, yeah. And so I, I was offered that opportunity and it was so different from anything that my, anybody in my circle growing up ever even thought about or talked about. Mm-hmm. I just jumped on it. And I mean, I didn't have a plan for it. And even like my very first sales call when I started working for that insurance company, right before I went to go make that call, I actually had a panic attack. <laughs> I bet like I had to go in the bathroom and get my shit together. <laughs> and then I came back out and I made the call. And then now like, I, I genuinely like to cold call people. And cause I like the challenge of trying to set a meeting and build value in 30 seconds to where people are mm. like, all right, I'll talk to you again for another 15 minutes. Like I love that. And so, you know, it's, I guess I, I actually didn't have that on my list of failures, but I could count <laughs> that as one. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to go pick up that phone and it was a four person office. So it was the two agents I worked for and one other salesperson. She had been there for three years and everybody can hear everything. Like you can hear me chew gum in that office. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, I was like, I was so Stressful. scared to yeah. pick up that phone. And then a lot of times we, we build these things up so much in our heads that we think it's almost impossible. And then when you, once you do it, it's not really that bad. Dude. Yeah. It's, it's not. Yeah. Like you can spend years of your life trying to figure out how to break up with somebody or whatever. And then once you do it, you realize it only took like an hour and you get over the real hard parts in like a day. So it's yep. interesting how much we get in our own way um, sometimes, but you did allude to some failures. So let's, uh, let's talk about uh, some of the, you know, less glamorous moments of, uh, of the path that brought you where you're at. Yeah. So, the first one I think about it, and I'll get more specific, but I'll start off with a, a general one that probably all salespeople can relate to at some point if they're being honest. Um, so started out the insurance company, and then my my first job after that, uh, when I graduated college, was with a staffing firm called Robert Half. Yep, I know him. Yep. So 
great experience, but a very cutthroat company. Like if you don't hit your numbers in sales and recruiting, cause you kind of, you do both there. Uh, if you don't hit your numbers, like you're, you're not hanging around long. That's just part of it. And so um, that type of environment sort of drives a certain behavior. And so um, there was like a selfish behavior. What do you mean by, uh, well that, but then also like, just, just not slowing down and paying attention to details. Cause you're, you're brand new at the job. You want to make sure they feel like they made the right decision and you're just trying to get some momentum going. Mm-hmm. And so I would often send out blast emails that we all know don't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I knew how to use Excel to automate that a little bit, I was doing it manually. And there were a lot of times when I first started at Robert half where I was forgetting to update the first name. <laughs> so those fail. And like that happened to me a lot in the first couple of months where people are like, great job, wrong name. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. And lost so, me instantly. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, Oh, that just ruined forever. So that was something that um, I just learned really quick where it, it's like quality over quantity, which is a cliche, but it's, you know, it's that it's cliche for a reason. Yeah. And even um, when we started, I mean, Names are so important to people. I'm sure you've read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And yep. And he yep. definitely inf- emphasizes the importance of a name. Uh, so I'm sure you bungled those pretty well by not using their name. Yeah. Yeah. Those were not anybody I ever closed as a, as a customer <laughs> for sure. Um, so that was that's more of a general one because it's I think it's. Um, I, I mean, if like I said, if salespeople are being honest, man, that's that's something that all of us have done. Mm-hmm. at least once. Um, but again, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, now, you know, at, at my company that I'm at now, we use a tool called active campaign, which has a lot of marketing automation capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, things like that can't even happen anymore because they have the merge fields, um, yeah. all throughout and, and you just got to be really clever with those. Yeah. I love how technology is making it easier to not do some of the mistakes we've made in the past. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely parts where it's like, okay, this is going to eliminate humans doing dumb shit. And then we can focus on new dumb shit. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. New ways to mess up. Yep. Um, Okay, cool. So you were trying when you're doing cold calls and cold emails, uh, are you typically getting your finding your own leads or are you getting provided a list of random leads? Like how does it work? Is it like Glenn Gary going to Ross where they're like, here's today's leads or whatever, or how does it work in the real world? I don't know. I mean, I think it depends, it depends on the industry and the, and what you're selling. So for example, um, and honestly how your marketing engine is set up. So for example, uh, again, the company I was at previous to full scale, big, uh, M&A consulting firm. Um, and that is really old school, uh, like build, build a book off of cold calls and emails and, and network. Um, and I'm, I was, they, they, when they hired me, I was 26 or 27. Um, and so mm. I didn't have, I don't have much of a network of CFOs and controllers, you know? Mm. Yeah. So a lot of it was cold calls and I got zero inbound leads. Um, and so that, and, and it's also a pretty complex sell. Like you're asking clients to spend a million dollars with you usually. Oh, okay. Easy peasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, that's that why I got to get the name right for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, far less, far less volume. And, you know, you have 40 or 50 accounts that you're looking at and you're just becoming obsessed with them and doing a bunch of research and trying to put that in your message to, to, to demonstrate you understand what's going on in their, in their business yeah. and their, their role. Yeah. 
do you ever feel weird about um, doing research on people? So I used to work for this company um, and I'm doing financial asset management and stuff, but they, I'd call it creep search. They'd have me do all this research on people and put together like a file, like who's their wife, who's their kids, all this other stuff. Point is, uh, I don't know how, how typical that is or what kind of, when you say research on people, well, like, what do you mean? What kind of stuff do you do? But uh, no, it's more like, keeping up with their, you know, keeping up with their press releases. Um, anybody knew that they hired into a leadership position. Stuff um, they put into the world. Yeah. Or like going on, I mean, something that I've found is really valuable is going to your, the the LinkedIn page of the person that you know is the ultimate buyer or an important stakeholder and looking at their career, looking at what they share and post and comment on, um, looking at any recommendations they've received, because that'll mm-hmm. tell you a lot about how they are, how they work. And yeah. then also their endorsements, because then you you get a feel for, you know, if they've got 99 plus endorsements for, um, you know, gap accounting or whatever you want to call it, yeah. then you you know how to get their attention. Like, do you have I, like a like a research thing that you like? Go yeah, through? yeah, I've got a little pre-call planning document that that's cool. That kind of fills that that checks off a few boxes, and then but then you but then you spend time like, okay, so this is what we're this is what they're doing, and this is what they care about how do you tie that to your value proposition as to why you're reaching out? So for example, um, I reached out to a, a woman the other day who um, is started a, a nonprofit uh, startup. Um, and we, as a part of our podcast, we have a, a lady named Lauren Conway who runs a nonprofit organization here in Kansas city. And it's all about women and entrepreneurship. And so, um, you know, obviously we, we want, we want that, uh, girl that I'm reaching out to her. We went her on the podcast, but we'd also like to make her a full scale client. And she had this line on her profile about, uh, I make something out of nothing sort of like cake, but better. And she's talking about building products. And so I said, I, I taught, I, I like started out kind of talking about her profile. And I said, and then when you add in this and this, your profile kind of takes the cake. And I put the same cake emoji that was okay. on her profile. Yeah. And so it's, and then and then I said something like, um, you know, having, m- making sure your cake has fluff is good, but too much of it. Da, da, da. And I was like, so I'm going to end the fluff here. Here's what I'm reaching out. Yeah. So just drop some hints, but not be yeah. too, too obvious or like, don't make it. I, I think the best, well, at least the way I would do it, because I don't know your awesome techniques is that I would just try to find a way to organically bring up some of the things they like irrelevant to the sales pitch, just, just as I'm talking yep. to them. But I never even get to the sales pitch. That's my thing. I just keep talking to people about nothing. So, <laughs> yeah. If you, if you're, all I'll say is that if you're starting out a message to a prospect, like a cold prospect, if you start that message out talking about you or your product or your service, you already lost. Yeah. Yes. Think of how to serve them or something that they might be interested in or some yeah, way of yeah. improving their life. Uh, I would imagine it would be a better way to to start it out because I also get tons of different LinkedIn messages and other emails with people trying to get me whatever. And I ignore almost all of them, uh, almost regardless of what they say, just because I, I don't have time to sort through it all. But at some point, maybe I'll figure out a way of, of uh, you know, sorting through all that stuff. Um, but OK, so you you got better. You started putting people's names on it. Um, what when you transitioned from the previous company to this one, did you have any big um, adjustments, failures, problems, uh, trying to uh, get get up to scale on what full scale does? I, I did, uh, but I did. I had um, one other 
Yeah, go back. This, yeah, whatever you want yeah, to Previous to this is actually whenever I was at uh, Robert Half still, um, the, and this is kind of early on, and and you know again trying mm-hmm. to just hit my numbers and kind of drive some odd behavior. Uh, I made a call. So we, I would always try to, if I could find, and this is when people still did in-person meetings. Yep. Um, if I could find some target companies that are in the same corporate building, you just try to rack up meetings in that building so you could spend your whole morning or afternoon mm-hmm. there. I like that. And so there was one time early on, um, I got somebody on the phone and I said, Hey, I'm going to be in your building this day at this time. Um, thought it'd be good. I, you know, I'd love to drop by and they're like, Oh, who are you meeting with? And I just said a company that was on the list and it was complete bullshit. I hadn't had a meeting with them yet. Cause I was just trying to say, <laughs> I've got meetings. Yeah. And, but that was like, you know, as a 23 year old, again, like I'm, I'm walking in and I'm seeing people get fired because they're not hitting their numbers. So I'm like, yeah. okay, what by any means necessary. Um, and so then she's like, okay, cool. Let me check with them and just make sure. And then that was just like, that went away forever. So that was another, another failure that definitely not, not proud of, but. Um, yeah, so you learned to maybe be a little more honest with the, uh, with the context or don't say something that's verifiably wrong. Yeah. yeah I mean, and it's so, it's so silly and it's so like, okay, that's snake oil sales people shit. Yeah. Cause you could have said, I'm, I'm planning to be in the building or whatever, you know? But again, I think it's, I think it's, less of a, and obviously, you know, any individual is going to try to deflect uh, blame off of them and put it on something else. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm aware of that, but I really do think that that's more, cause I wasn't the only person doing that. And so I think it's more of a product of those larger companies putting unreal expectations on 23 yeah. year old kids who don't know what the hell they're doing and don't have good training. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just like, Hey, here's, here's a hundred companies go build business or else. Yeah. I did one day of telemarketing and I was selling like adjustable rate mortgages and I was like 18 and I did not even know what a mortgage was. And I was calling out these people. I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to do this? I don't even know what it is. Yeah. Guys. But yeah. I mean, it's weird how they put, they just basically use the whatever scatter gun approach where they're trying to just basically yeah. shotgun versus sniper. Exactly. Cause, uh, cause clearly they weren't training us and stuff. They weren't doing the, the right things. They just like, whatever, we'll see what works. And we don't want to put numbers in. Yeah. 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 But yeah, so that was one that I thought was worth. Again, I was I I debated bringing it up, but you know, whatever. Um, yeah, go ahead. And um, I've got a little bit of background noise because I'm near a coffee shop. So just for anyone listening, um, yeah. but uh, okay, feel free to. Is there any other uh, failure um, moments that you'd like to discuss? Because um, I'm not sure where where you'd say uh, your next failure came about or your biggest. Um. No, I mean, I don't. And it's okay if you don't have that many. I mean, the point is not to have a lot of failures. Yeah. <laughs> the if point is pops, to, if one pops up, though, I'll definitely. Sure. Uh, the point is to really more uh, notice that or the, the point of the podcast really is to show people that, you know, in order to be successful, you have to fail. You have to put yourself oh, yeah. in situations where failure is going to be almost extremely like, likely. And, um, and I guess, is there any advice you could give to people who are struggling with putting themselves out there or even approaching things that could result in failure? How do you get yourself past some of those, um, you know, mental hurdles, even to make a cold call? Yeah. So what sucks about the answer to that question is that there's no, there's no like new revolutionary way to answer that. Mm -hmm. Um, you just have to, you just have to do it. Like you, you mentioned earlier, um, you build these things up and then you do them and you're like, ah, really wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So the simple advice is just do it. But I think something that's a little bit more actionable is just actually visualizing it differently because you don't even, you, people involuntarily visualize things that scare them in a negative way. And it just happens Mm -hmm. because they get nervous. And so, for example, think about giving a presentation in front of a hundred people, that's going to make a lot of people uneasy, like the idea of that. And then, so they just start thinking about being in front of a bunch of people and messing up and they get nervous about it. Yeah. That's just proof that you can, you're just making something up. So that's just proof yeah. that you can stop yourself, recognize that you're doing that and say, okay, actually this is how it's going to go. And you start visualizing it yeah. being a good experience. I was, um, I was reading a book yesterday and, and this is something really interesting, which is that anxiety is just feeling failure in advance is what they said. And I thought that was a pretty good way. I was thinking about it because that's usually what it is. Um, is that we're just, we're already imagining that future state where we're in that horrible spot. And the more real we make it in our mind, the harder it is to get past that and like actually do the thing. And I think yeah. your advice about just doing it is good because I've always found that instead of having a metric of like, you know, I got to get 10 people to close an account with or whatever, instead, maybe pick 120 people to contact. And that's your goal. Just contact people who cares what happens if none of them do anything uh, like the goal of doing stuff is better than yeah. the goal of having a result, but also something I've heard that helps. And I have no idea if it's true because I don't do sales calls and stuff like that. But like there was a, there was this guy who was a superstar at a company and he, he did the best job of anyone. And his own only trick was that let's say it's 120 calls. He has to make a day. He'll have a jar of marbles, 120 marbles and an empty jar next to it. Every time he makes a call, move a marble over and then you can see you get a visual representation of your progress that helps to motivate you because wow. otherwise it can feel like you're not really doing anything, you know? Damn, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, I guarantee that would help just because, yeah, that that action. It's like a I mean, it's just like the Pavlovian. Yeah. Or seeing um, them stack up all day. And yeah. realize you, if that's your goal, you're, you're completing it kind of thing. Um, it's like a brick by been, brick thing. Yeah. And it could have been staples or marbles. I'm not sure what it was. Pick your own favorite little object and <laughs> however many you can get of them. But uh, I think doing Dandy. stuff like that is uh, it's a good little trick to because when things don't have a progress meter, it's hard to feel like you're making progress, especially if the progress you're looking for is a result instead of just an action. Do you know, are you familiar with uh, Jordan Peterson? Yes. Jordan yes. B. Peterson, for some reason, that's always included. The yeah. So super yeah. smart dude, obviously. 12 rules. Is that him? Yep. Okay, cool. Yeah. Super sharp guy. A little bit controversial, but yeah, uh, I, like I don't know. I don't know why he's controversial, but yeah, I feel you. Uh, I just, I, mean, I don't even know. The, I don't even know the controversies I'm saying, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so his, I saw a video of him yesterday and he was talking about, uh, and just to kind of piggyback off your progress meter comment, he was talking about how, uh, the feeling of satisfaction is actually not at all attached to attainment. So it's more about what it takes to attain something. And so he was talking about like, and it's kind of interesting because I just bought this house. Again, I grew up mostly in a like shanty apartments and just like, you know, mm-hmm. not, not great areas. And yeah, we just bought this house. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful and, and it's a huge win for me, but I actually, congrats. Thank you but I actually really, really enjoyed like the process of saving the money to be able to buy the house, working my ass off to be able to save the money. Um, and then going through the process of doing it and learning all the the pieces that it takes to purchase a home. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and I, and I have, and I, I have the helm now and I'm, and I'm very happy when I wake up, but I really enjoyed getting there. And now that I'm here, um, I, I don't have a desire to go get a bigger house, but I, it resonated with me because it's, it's just like anything else. Like once you hit it, like the science is pretty clear that once you get what you're chasing, you're like, okay, what, what's next? Yeah. Like I, even a good example of relationships. I mean, the fun stops once you get married, as far as I'm told, meaning the, the fun right. process is getting up to that point. And then once you're married, you're like, oh shit, we're done yeah. doing any, <laughs> all the things are done. So now we got to figure out what's the next thing that we do to make this. Well, that's, that's why there's exciting. those, that's why there's those check boxes, right? Of like, okay, got, we've been dating, let's get engaged. Now we got married. Now let's buy a house. Then we're going to get a mm-hmm. dog and we're going to have kids and we're going to travel. And, and there, it, and there's value in that though. I mean, as of long course, as you're yeah. doing it, as long as you do it on your timeline, right? Like Paige and I just got married uh, in October and uh, you know, we have friends Congrats. that, thank you. We have friends that get married and, and it's like, okay, time to have kids. And we're like, wait, we're doing like three or three. We start with the kid process. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. it's interesting to see where people's minds go with it. And, and I think my only point there was a lot of people just view marriage as the end goal and they don't have anything planned afterwards. So they're like, oh shoot, now what do we do? Yep. But yeah, you got to keep keep that uh that alive. You know, next phases. How do we? What do we do now that we're partners that are you know, in into this and enjoying yeah, forever. It? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and okay, so what is what is um? Oh, here here's something we that I do on the show at least. Uh, as being a, a guest, you get a, a free present or whatever you want to call it. You get a get out of fail free card, which is similar to the Monopoly get out of jail free card. But what this is going to be is something you can use. I'll pretend to give you a card um, where you can pursue a hobby, a passion, a thing that you wouldn't have. Like, from example, mine's either stand up comedy or something else. But you I would fail so hard. It's ridiculous. Um, I mean, the amount of failure that's involved is is uh, is what's stopping me. Uh, but if I had to get out of fail free card, I'd probably use it for that. Is there something that you'd want to do? that currently you think, oh, that'd be really fun and cool, whether it's music or arts or whatever, working out. I don't know what it is. What would you use a get out of fail free card for? If you knew you couldn't fail at something, what would be something you'd pursue? Um, can I give you a twofold answer? Absolutely. Okay. So one would be something I've already failed at, but I would, I would try it again if I could, um, if it just made sense. So I actually, uh, like in, seventh grade started rapping. Oh, and, nice. Uh, yeah. And I actually, in 2016, I actually performed at South by Southwest. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And, and so, but nothing came of it. Uh-huh. Um, but you kind of, and so you're like, Oh, there was, there was that little glimmer, but then, you know, think life happens. And honestly, hey, I don't well, think I'm, I'm just not good. Well, I, this, I'm sounds, really, inherently. This, this sounds ridiculous, but I am now trying to learn how to make beats. So I'm going to make a beat for nice. you and I'll send it over to you and you can, you can <laughs> use that get out of fail free card just to try it oh, again yeah. if that's still lingering around. And then you said it was two parts. Yeah. So what was the second part? Start my own company right now. What would it be though? Uh, it would be uh, a sales toolkit. So um, one, and, and I just, I'm just going to throw this. There's this whole idea of building in public. So if people take this idea, it's fine, but uh, one thing that I think would be really valuable for a lot of salespeople would be um, the ability to quickly access valuable articles based on the function of the person they're reaching out to. So if there was a database uh-huh. of 
of news articles and information and relevant um, to the client or potential client. Yeah. And so for example, like you'd go to this database, this, this aggregate database, and then you could filter by, you know, CTO. And then uh-huh. there would be a bunch of APIs connecting different sources to this database. And then, you know, you go to CTO and then it, uh, you can get more specific with the filters, but in general, it'd be here are a bunch of articles that are new yeah. that, that CTOs would give a shit about. Mm-hmm. That's a so good idea. That way you have like a value add conversation to, to send to them, but that would be a very small piece of a sales toolkit. Another question I'd like to ask my guests is um, what is the next big failure that you're going to have? Meaning what's the next thing you're going to go after? You don't know how to do it. It's like a new thing that you're going, maybe it's a different type of sales within your own company. Maybe it's mm-hmm. some sort of thing that you are just going to not necessarily, you don't have much confidence in it, but it's the next big thing you're going to kind of go forward and tackle. That's a really good question. Thank what you. is my next <laughs> big failure? Yeah. I mean, ideally uh, you'll, you'll succeed, but we know. That's not always the, the case. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, huh. So this is funny. This is how um, this, I'm a very uh, blessed person at this moment in my life because my first thought was uh, landscaping around my house. <laughs> nice. um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to absolutely butcher that. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, but that's, that's not a, a real failure. Um, no, that's fine. I like, no, that. you know, I think, honestly, I think the, the thing that I will mess up a lot at is whenever we do start, cause I'm, I'm solo sales right now. So okay. I'm hundred percent responsible for all the revenue. Oh, wow. And so I think the next thing that I will probably fail at is, um, is building that sales team from scratch mm-hmm. because, I've never hired a salesperson before. Yeah. You know, and I, I know, I know what to look for just in general. Cause I've been doing this for about, I've been doing sales for about eight years now. Uh-huh. Um, but I think there's, you, you can, you can know a lot of stuff and have a lot of information and read all the books you need to read, but there is still, there's always that degree of doing something mm-hmm. uh, and then recognizing the gaps in your knowledge, but like when you, yeah. whenever your knowledge and reality kind of meet, then there's mm-hmm. always going to be gaps. And so I'll, I'll definitely have some, some rough patches, I'm sure around either hiring the right people or uh, training them quickly mm-hmm. and making sure that they feel comfortable and supported and not too pressured. And yeah, um, the, just that whole process. Um, just throw this out there. I'm going to be transitioning into sales and I have zero experience, but I have 15 years in corporate finance and accounting. So if you ever want to try, uh, hiring someone and firing someone even also, if you need help landscaping, I know nothing either. I can certainly mess your yard up quite a bit. I'm <laughs> trying to do a lot of the things that I've never done in life, uh, lightly. So like, I don't know anything about cars. I don't even know how to drive a manual. So I want to learn how to like fix cars and stuff. Cause I, I've always avoided it. Cause it's, any manly thing, like handyman thing, mm. I, I joke, I say I'm a footy man or whatever the opposite of a handyman is, because I don't know a damn thing. But I, I've realized I've only been just doing negative self-talk about it. And there's no reason I can't learn any of those things. Yeah, you know? for sure. Same with cooking or whatever. My parents didn't teach me much growing up. So it's like I learned all about technology and whatever I chose to learn. But there's so many gaps of like common sense stuff that I want to learn that, uh, you know, manual labor is back on the table somehow, but not in a 
for a job, but more like just as a as a goofy, hobby, yeah. a goofy little well, thing. Too. I, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I've gotten a little better over the years, but it's funny because my my dad and all my brothers, they're you know they're all they actually all work at the exact same battery plant in St. Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, car so batteries or what is uh, car uh, Johnson Controls, so they make mostly car batteries. Okay. Um, but they all work at the same plant and they're, you know, they're all much more handy than I am. Like my dad can, there's not anything on a car he can't fix. Well, um, can you look at my, cause my, I can't open my driver's side door cause I'd hit a deer the other day. I'm happy to have him take a look at that. They told me it was cost me like $2,500 or something at the place I just went to. And I have I can, I know there's no chance I can pay them 2,500. So point is I'm happy to have him look at it and just let me open my car door. If he can just jam that thing forward, that'd be cool. But also. I'm fine going through the back door. It's fine. I'm used to it at this point. Even if it's only been three days, it makes it funnier because my car is a ridiculous piece of shit that it's funny that I now can't even go in the front door. At some point, I should probably fix it. But we're, we are getting closer to the end of this. So I want to at least give you some time to uh, give our listeners somewhere to point yourself or point them to uh, to see where you are doing stuff these days. We're, uh, I know fullscale.io is mm-hmm. where you work. Are there yep. any other um, areas, LinkedIn, something else that you'd like to point uh, people to? Yeah. So LinkedIn, I'm, I'm fairly active on LinkedIn. Uh, it's just, you obviously just search first and last name, Cooper Krause. Um, same for Twitter. Um, Twitter is more, so LinkedIn is probably a little bit more, it, it's a mix of uh, personal branding and sales mm-hmm. advice and techniques and conversations mixed with promoting full scale a little bit and startup hustle. Mm -hmm. Um, Twitter is much more personal. Like I'm always uh, on there just talking about what salespeople should and shouldn't do in my opinion. Um, So you can follow me there. Um, Startup hustle, got to promote startup hustle. So that's our, uh, I mentioned that before we started. So startup hustle is our podcast. It's generally top 25 for entrepreneurship on Apple um, over 60,000 downloads a month. And that success has turned into um, a web series about entrepreneurship called Startup Hustle TV. So as of as of February 1st, we launched our first couple of episodes. That's going to be ongoing for in perpetuity as far as we're concerned. And so essentially it's just, hey, here's a day in the life of what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. Um, all of our cast members have, we've, we've mailed them all GoPros and user-generated uh, kits on, hey, here's how you create content. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, and so that's something that, that we launched in February. And we even have some really great partners that have sponsored those episodes. So for example, one of our partners is Silicon Valley Bank, who they invest like 60% of their investments are in Series A for, um, for startups uh, with some specific niches. But yeah, so those two things are, um, are great. I'm not too involved in it. It's really my CEO running the show on that, but it's still really cool for anybody who's interested in entrepreneurship or startup life. It's one of the best resources out there. Cause it's literally, it's like this, like people turn on their GoPro and they're like, here's how shitty my day went as an entrepreneur. (laughs) Yeah. It's awesome. I know that game. (laughs) Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'll make sure to link those all in the sales. I'm sorry. The the, uh, show notes. Is there any last, um, tidbits or comments on failure or any advice you'd like to give before we, uh, we send you off. Is there a piece of advice that you've gotten over time? That was the most important advice you've received or something that like uh, really spoke to you that, um, you kind of either a mantra that you keep in mind or anything. And there's no pressure. You can have yeah. absolutely nothing as well. That's fine too. I can also throw something in if you need me to. 
No, I mean, I, I think, you know, from a, from a failure standpoint, generally speaking, you don't have a lot to lose if you haven't done it yet. So like that always, that always relieves pressure for me. So like, if I'm thinking about making a call and I'm get, if I ever get nervous, it's like, they, they don't, I, I don't, they don't know. We don't know each other. There's not, there's you no relationship. Don't have it. Yeah. Um, and, and unless you're, I, I just think it's important. So actually here's kind of my mantra. I'm actually not that important. And that shouldn't be a negative thing, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's one of those things where it's like, you're, you might build something up in your head because you're worried about what people are going to think. And chances are people aren't going to think twice about you. It's amazing how little people think about you. I'm amazed. I drive around a car that says failure on the license plate. I got the failure guy bumper sticker. I think ever, I assume, oh, everyone's looking at this, knows what it is. Half, at least half of the people don't even notice that it says anything. Like you think people notice you way more than they do or care about you. They're always in their own world and they almost never remember anything. Just like we are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's not, that shouldn't be looked at as like, wow, that's really bleak. It's like, no, that relieves pressure. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, people don't care about you. So do what you want to do, like do your thing. And, and the people that enjoy that they're, they're, they're going to be there. Yeah. I mean, even if you fell, fell flat on your face in front of 50 people, I mean, in an hour, they'll forget about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause you won't, yeah. you'll probably live with that forever, but only cause you, <laughs> only cause you forget that people will forget about it. So yeah, I think it's an important thing. Uh, and a lot of people get anxiety, unnecessary anxiety because they don't realize that that's the case. You know, a lot of people are right. just, you don't care as much as you think uh, about, about you. And that's a good thing. It should give you some freedom to mess up and not really be too worried about it. Yeah, you know? for sure. I think that's great advice. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on here. Uh, I can't wait to uh, to let the listeners uh, find out more about you. And thanks for you know sharing your story. And I look forward to seeing uh, more of that stuff you do. I'm definitely going to check out Startup Hustle and uh, look forward to learning more. Cool. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.